do it. Do it as fast as you can right now. Go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Pop Culture To Do, the podcast where two best friends exchange a to-do list of things to watch, listen to, read, whatever it is, all within the umbrella of arts and entertainment. With me today is my awesome co-host, the Greg Norton. Say hello. No. And I'm Anthony. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, guys. Uh, we got a nice show for you uh, this episode. Uh, this episode, actually, we're going to be talking about some movie news. I did have a question for Nort that I was going to ask later on. But the main topic today, we're actually going to be discussing my, one of my favorite Japanese horror films, Audition, which is what I asked Norton to watch last episode so now i know that there was something norton warner wanted to bring up this episode so i will hand the floor to you well i thought since there is a new trailer for james gunn's suicide squad and the last suicide squad the one that david ayer made in i think 2016 yeah uh, the studio recut it to try to make it more fun and vibrant and let's be honest to rip off what james gunn was doing in his guardians of the galaxy movies i thought like well, we both watched the new trailer. We watched the original trailer for David Ayer's Suicide Squad. And I just sort of wanted to talk about the comparison between the two. Yeah. Well, what were your thoughts first? Well, I think the, the second one looks way better. Infinitely. And you can really tell that because David Ayer made a much more serious Suicide Squad film. And then uh, they kind of, the trailer made it out to be a little more fun and quirky. And then they tried to edit the movie into that. Yeah. Whereas this, you've actually got some good character-based comedy coming from the characters to begin with. Yeah. And you can tell that in the trailer. It's true because, let's be real, there, there were two David Ayer Suicide Squad trailers. The first one was a lot more dark and gritty. And then the second one was that fun Bohemian Rhapsody one. And already, I didn't see it, but that should be sort of a red flag, <laughs> right? It, it should show that, first of all, how is it possible that the trailers are tonally jumbled? Not even the movie. The movie's its own disaster, but the trailers alone were, I don't know, they were they were not good. It just, I don't know. It wasn't consistent because you had one that was dark and gritty and it was like it was overly dramatic and, you know, just very depressing, if you will. And then you had the second one, which was just like a music video for Bohemian Rhapsody. And it was a lot more energetic and fun from the get go. The David Gunn one looks fun. James Gunn. You know, James Gunn, <laughs> not David Gunn. That's someone else. James Gunn. Sorry, my apologies. James Gunn's his trailer, like the first one, it's already from the get-go. It's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's already established. And it's like real fun because I, I saw the first Suicide Squad that did not work out. And I've seen some of David Ayer's movies and it is not a David Ayer movie. They really fucked up with what he was doing. Yeah. In this weird way where they're trying to ape what Guardians is, trying to copy what james gunn did with those movies but in such a surface lack of understanding level where it's like oh it's kind of stylish so we're just gonna add some weird post-production stuff to make it stylish like weird glittery stuff on screen in what is otherwise shot as a very drab style yeah. to fit the like melancholic tone that they were originally going for yeah. and like their music choices because like oh people love how much cool retro music is in guardians which is built into the narrative and then in suicide squad it was just like 
uh, hears songs that very surface level match what's going on on screen. And we're just going to jam as many as we can. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, geez. It was a, it was one of those, fir- it was one of the first times where I, I went to go see with me, my fiance. And this was after, I, you know, you really shouldn't do this, but it was after I'd seen like one review on Rotten Tomatoes and it was pretty, pretty much like bashing it. And I was like, ah, shit, you know, whatever. I'm still going to go see it. We went to go see it. And it was the first time where I was visibly watching a mess. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It, like, you can tell that this thing was butchered and slapped together, like, probably last minute. And it, it's noted that the trailer house who put together the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer was the one who ended up cutting the film. So, mm-hmm. obviously, it looked like that. It's amazing how many times Warner Brothers with their DC films now have screwed the director. They screwed the director's vision with Zack Snyder for Justice League, and now they're finally fixing that. Yeah. And then they also did it to David Ayer with this, and they've straight up said, like, no, we're not going to release a David Ayer cut. Wait, I thought one was. No. Wasn't there a director's cut? Oh, no. There, there's an extended edition of... Uh, oh, okay. But it's not, again, it's not made by Ayer. It's, hey, we put in more scenes, but it still has that messy tone and style. Yeah. I don't know, how are they going to keep making homes in the long run if they're actively saying, we don't really care what the artist's vision is. We'll just get whatever they do. We're going to take it over in post anyways. You know, it's really detrimental. Like, it, and they're going to find, they're going to see it's been really bad to their business too. Like we can clearly see that there's a huge insurgence now, not now, in recent years with superhero films, mm-hmm. superhero culture in cinema. It's, it's growing ridiculously. Why would you want to jeopardize that? Why would you want to fuck that up if you know it's easy money and you can make great stories? You know, you can make a really good story. You can make a great film. Why does it only have to be seen as a cash cow? Yeah. And what I find funny, too, is like the idea of like, oh, well, they were copying what James Gunn had done, but in no way copied what he did. They just were just like, oh, uh, quirky. Yeah, let's just cut it to that. And now you see his version of a Suicide Squad movie. And from the trailer, yeah, it's quirky, it's comedic, but not in a, yeah, we just slapped shit together. It shows how a movie like that, you can't just half-ass, you can't just slap together, especially with a comedic tone that melds with the darker material of the -the over-the-top violence. Yeah. Because it can't just be like, ah, we'll put in some gags and we'll put in some stylish overlays. It's like, no, you have to come at it from a character perspective yeah you can watch that the suicide squad trailer that came out and you can tell from watching it all the main characters what their personalities are how their comedy is and how they bounce off each other whereas when you watch the first bohemian rhapsody trailer for the 2016 version yeah it's you know everyone's kind of grumpy and then some like half-assed jokes that are made by editing two different scenes together juxtaposed and then you know harley quinn being great because margot robbie's excellent as that character yeah it was made for her just gotta say that Mm -hmm. um i will say though after revisiting the first suicide squad trailer and then kind of watching for a second time this uh james gunn one um i really just want to be straight up and say all the james gunn jokes land 
and all the David Ayer jokes are so fucking cringy. And I'm going to say, they're not David Ayer jokes. He did not make a comedy. They tried to turn it into a comedy. He makes uh, serious action stuff, you know? He doesn't make quirky stuff no yeah you know and that's why his stuff doesn't land is because it's that's not what he was making it's forced you could tell like he was forced to to do it yeah Uh, it sucks but you know and it's, it's just really funny because it really seems like for me i didn't i was completely unaware i thought this was gonna be like a separate story or a i don't know a continuation of some kind but it really seems like they're wiping the slate clean and just starting from scratch because mm-hmm. if you see in in this new james gunn trailer they're kind of establishing the rules again you know like we you know what yeah. you have amanda waller viola davis's character doing the uh injecting the the detonators into their heads and explaining what what this represents and and immediately i'm like oh man so they're essentially not like i don't know if i want to say erasing david ayer's film but they're kind of just like they're soft rebooting it yeah there we go there we go yeah yeah yeah. and the the dc movies seem to be doing that in general because if you look at what the Zack Snyder movies were saying about certain characters like Wonder Woman where it's like oh you haven't been around for so long and now you're back as a hero and then you watch the second Wonder Woman movie and it's the 80s and she's being a hero then that's like I I thought you disappeared but no because we're just ignoring the movies that people didn't like yeah and that's fine but they have to sort of let us all know like you know we're not really making a complicated intertwined universe a la marvel we're doing our own thing where we're just making movies with these characters and sometimes they'll connect and sometimes they won't but it's multiverse whatever fun that's definitely what it seems like and and, and I, I do want to say like the marvel universe seems a lot more cohesive than the dc one right now 100 percent. and um i do have to say just overall it was really funny because i was just before starting this uh, episode with you I rewatched the uh, SS um, trailer with my fiance. We both really, really disliked the David Ayer one. So as soon as I mentioned that there's a new one coming out, obviously her face was like, uh, "Okay," <laughs> and I was like, "No, no, but but it's it's by the the guy who did uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy films, which are two films that we really enjoyed." And she's kind of, and she was still like, "Eh," and I was like, "Okay, just watch it with me." And right after it finished, she was kind of like, yeah, I have to admit it looks a lot, it looks more fun, you know? James Gunn knows how to make a movie. He's very talented. Yeah. And seems like a really swell guy, too. Yeah. I'm just, uh, it's really awesome because he got his start, like, doing these, like, schlocky B-movie type uh, mm-hmm. type films. And it, it feels like he's going to actually bring some of that now into Suicide Squad because it, it has an R rating. So it could benefit from that. I mean, if you watch the trailer, it looks like the thing they're going to fight at the end is a giant starfish. I, I, I don't know. I, it just, somebody said kaiju. So yeah. is it a starfish? Yeah, if you look like the uh, the leg that hits the ground it looks like a starfish and people online obviously you're not sure 100 percent, but fans are like oh it's this character oh like starro or starbo or something which is just a giant starfish from wherever starro yeah something <laughs> like that starro Starro, a giant yeah. 
like giant starfish with like an eye in the middle comes from space. That that's perfect though for David Ayer. Uh, David Ayer, James Gunn. <laughs> we'll fix this in post. It's perfect for James Gunn though. Who, whenever I you mean, say we'll fix it in post, I leave it in. <laughs> yeah. And whenever yeah. you don't say it, I fix it. Uh, but yeah I mean like I saw Slither have you seen Slither I haven't seen Slither I saw Super Super I don't remember like I don't know if I like Super Uh, I love love Slither though that is a great movie and of course James Gunn kind of doing that you know schlocky b-movie sci-fi horror thing and if and if if you're telling me there's gonna be a giant starfish with an eye in the middle I'm I'm just thinking back to Slither. I'm just like, yeah, this is perfect ground for him, you know. Yeah. Anyways, you also said you had some uh, movie news or media news to yeah. talk about. So, um, I don't really know. No announcements have been made yet. Like I came across one of these like like movies, anticipated movies of 2022, 20, 21 maybe. And of course, Robert Eggers' upcoming film called The Northman. Have you seen the cast? It looks amazing. I did, but I don't remember it. So please refresh me and I'll be like, ah. Okay, so, okay. I, I, I'm really hoping that these are not just rumored because I'm reading this off IMDb. It, it could change, but I really hope it doesn't because, oh my God, this is like star-studded. Okay, so we're going to start off here. We have, you know, Robert Eggers reuniting with Anya Taylor-Joy from The Witch. Oh. We also have him reuniting with Willem Dafoe. Oh. <laughs> then we have Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, Ralph Innocen, Clay's Bang, anyone who's familiar with Netflix's Dracula or that film... The Square that came out a few years ago. That guy. And to top everything off, motherfucking Bjork is going to be in it. I love Bjork. And I want to see this. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a really good cast. Like, Is it more like period piece melodrama horror? Yes, this is a film that is set in Iceland at the turn of the 10th century. Damn. I don't know if it's horror. I don't know if it's horror. Uh, It says... A Nordic prince sets out on a mission of revenge after his father's murder. So I'm assuming it's maybe thriller. I, I opened it up on Wikipedia, which, as we all know, is the most accurate source for everything ever. But um, and it is a historical thriller film. Okay, yeah. So yeah, um, this looks amazing. I love everyone in it, even the people I don't. Even well, the people you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that was my little bit of news. But I also had a question for you because, okay, I'm going to switch things up here. We're going to quickly just uh, switch over to the land of music. Um, and there's this, there's this metal band I'm a huge fan of called Culted. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know your opinion on this. Now, hear me out. This is a metal band. They have one guy from Sweden and I think two or three others from Canada. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the kick. These members have never met each other. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to know your opinion on that, or if you know maybe another musician or artist or a collaboration of artists who are like this. Uh, Not off the top of my head, no. Okay. But I do do think that's really cool, just the idea of, because it's true, like you don't technically, if you're not gigging together, you don't need to be in the same room to write music together. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. 
uh, in any case, that was just a small thing. And unless you have something more to say, uh, uh, just a small thing that I wanted to get your opinion on or just what you thought of it. Or... <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, right. It is really cool. I mean, I don't know. I mean, check them out if you want. I know you're not as big into metal as I am, but it is really cool because when you listen to the band, there's you would never think that they never met each other. The music is just extremely cohesive amongst the four. With all that out of the way, would you like to roll into the main topic? Sure thing. So the film we're talking about now is 1999's Audition by uh, Takeshi Miike. It's a horror. The description, according to IMDb, is a widower takes an offer to screen girls at a special audition arranged for him by a friend to find a new wife. The one he fancies is not what she appears to be after all. Dun dun dun. It's quite revered in the, in the Japanese horror, like J-horror community mm-hmm. or, or culture. Yeah, and even it's a big influence on a lot of American filmmakers working now. Absolutely. Specifically people who are in the sort of extreme horror or torture porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a big influence on a lot of the people working in that stuff. And I got to say, like, I've I've been hearing about it for a long time. I was excited to watch it, and I was underwhelmed overall yeah because i think it was hyped up too much i mean i could understand that i like i enjoyed it it's a good movie i think that it could have been better okay like i feel like the first half drags and there's some stuff in it that i just don't think is needed at all okay but at the same time like i feel like that's not what people talk about when they talk about this movie they talk about the the ending where things go crazy and that stuff is really good yeah and they foreshadow it well there's some great stuff at the beginning where like there's a shot of her just like sitting waiting for his phone call and she's like bent over and creepy like there's great stuff like that but then there's just very long scenes that are fine and i did some research on uh takashi miike because he is a filmmaker who at this point in time was making three to four films a year yeah this guy's made like 100 movies yes yeah and like he's slowed down now in his 60s to making like two movies a year but the thing is like he made the whole film in three weeks and he made he makes a lot of like gangster yakuza films and horror films especially at this point in his career and you can tell watching this what his technique for getting these films made and how to get them to make money is i'm going to make it fast i'm going to make it cheap and i'm going to put something in there that'll shock people and make them tell their friends about it because that's what this movie is yeah it's uh it's a shock fest uh, near the latter half yeah and like the beginning like i was watching some of the scenes and it's like this is their best take because they probably only did it twice like there are just some things that are just like you could have done this better but at the same time where the focus is that that ending of the film is disgusting and shocking and like it delivers everything that it says it is yeah but the beginning has so many bland scenes like i like it's a lot of setup and you know you need setup but it just lacks a lot of the judge of the last part hmm okay yeah i, I see what you mean I, I get you um for me like i i like the fact that it it kind of very much misleads you in well the way i see it is the first half of the film kind of is long and drawn out intentionally misleads you because as the guy we're also being misled he's also being misled and so we kind of have like this 
we kind of have this weird expectation of where I think the the movie could go. And there's this kind of like, we have like, this kind of like these building up to, it, it, I feel like the whole movie's sort of building up to something you never know what it's going to be. Well, now, obviously we know because it's it's very much like known in, everyone knows what happens in this film, even if you haven't seen it. But I feel like those scenes, like, I don't know, it keeps you like, for me, it keeps you wanting to watch because you know that this is leading somewhere. And and even like the friend after he says like, there's like this guy's given multiple little nuggets of like, stay away from this woman. She's very weird, but this guy doesn't. He continues try. He continues trying to like seek her, you know, and and we, me at least for me, I I like we're given, you know, like we're given these nuggets of of like, are you sure you want to stay for this full ride, even though maybe this half of the movie's a little bit slower? Well, yeah, I do because I I want to see what happens. Like I want to, we both the character and the viewer kind of want to ride this out even though you know and then we were both kind of maybe regretting it at the end because of what this woman really is you know oh i agree and there yeah that is the intent of the film and it does do that in many ways i just think that some of those earlier scenes felt half-assed yeah okay okay that being said, I like the movie. It's just that if the first half had the care that the second half did, I think it would have been even better. Okay, I get you. That being said, there is some stuff I really like in the beginning. Yeah. I like how they have that scene of the two guys talking at the bar. Yeah, yeah. I think that that one's shot very well. And I think the dialogue is really good at letting you know that our main character, he is... A sweet enough guy. He seems like a nice guy. But the fact that he's willing to go along with this uh, plan that his friend has is still kind of scummy. Yeah, it's really scummy. And the film is in many ways a commentary on uh, culture, specifically Japanese culture, to find the sweet, docile, young wife. Obedient. You know, it's a commentary on that, yeah. And, you know, then in the second half, well, you wanted this, but no, you're getting this. You know, it's a it's a strong commentary of a film. Yeah. But just like it just a few more takes. Just you film the thing in three weeks. You could have filmed it in four and made it just a a little bit better. And the fact that people laud it as one of the great like horror films in its genre, it's like, yeah, when it gets there. Yeah, yeah, but I but the thing is, like for me. It's really funny because I feel like this episode might be like more of a, not a debate, but maybe, I don't know, but whatever. It, like ev everyone's allowed to have their own opinion on, on like I- Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm just happy that you watched it. You know, like I'm just happy that you watched it and I'm glad that you, you enjoyed it, you know? But no, for me, like, I don't know. I, I have personally, I didn't, I didn't mind the performances. I thought the takes were, were good because- It's not even the performances. It's just the overall- care to the making of it there are some takes where they clearly just put the camera down and was like get it okay yeah like well yeah there's a lot of static shots is that is that what you mean not just static shots but shots that don't have a lot of care to them oh okay okay i get you and there are scenes in the beginning that do have that you know there's a scene where they go on a date and there are little touches where she's talking and the people behind them suddenly 
are in different positions because they cut two different takes together in a way that seamlessly cuts her but jars the background in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable without knowing why you're feeling uncomfortable and that's really good but then there's other scenes where it's clearly like oh we only have a few minutes on this location and we need to get it done so we need to get it done um is that actually what happened though like do you or or is this just like an uh, assumption i'm assuming okay okay like there's one where they're playing like golf on a rooftop Mm. and it and it's an exposition scene and it's one wide shot and one close-up and they sort of cut between them and none of them feel very special they just feel like they're just okay we gotta get it done yeah okay it feels that way and it felt that way for me and i was like why does it feel this way and then i looked it up it was made in three weeks i'm like oh that's why and they had to spend a lot of time on the crazy stuff at the end which yeah i yeah um okay i i I do want to say something though and the way i see it is the the i feel like maybe the reason why and i look i'm just interpreting it this way this could obviously be maybe he was just a little more pressed for time i just i'm interpreting it the way i see it because i love this movie i can't help it but i for me i see like the first half of the film where the shots maybe like you mentioned are like a little less uh, they had maybe a little less care to them because they're very i guess like regular mm-hmm. i feel like it fits with the story because as soon as we hit the action if you will that's when there's a lot more attention given and it's it's kind of like it, it's it's a notable not only for the viewer like it's a notable shift in tone now like where it's like it takes a fucking serious left turn but it's also like i feel like there's a lot of I feel like maybe the story is is kind of almost keeping us a little bit at length at first. Like we're watching something kind of, we know like we're, we're watching something weird that maybe we should not be watching because it's very uncomfortable. This whole situation of two men auditioning women is extremely weird and scummy. And we're always kept a little bit at length, right? Where even the close-ups, there's a sense of distance, but it's only when we're, presented in the middle of the the gruesome action is when there's the most bit of in- intimacy and it's weird it, it and i that's what i that's what i love about the film it's kind of like you know what it is it's it's kind of like the way i see it it's kind of like we've seen the first half of the film through the father now we're seeing the last 15 or 10 or so minutes through um i believe her name is asami asami um and it's asami yeah and it's kind of like the father we're following him and and you know they sleep together whatever and it's kind of like okay and then now the woman is she saying like now it's my turn to fuck you only I'm going to do it my way, which is when we see the entire perspective of the film, the way it's filmed, shot, edited, it's, it's visibly different. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to think of it as a way like he paid more attention to this because it's where the action is. For me, I, I, 
I'd like to see it as a form of we're getting the film is literally split up into two different perspectives now, which is why maybe there was a little more distance or or less attention paid for the into the direction uh, for the first half. And then the last half is where all the action is, because it's finally she's so closeted in in the first half of the film. And now this part of the film, she's finally letting out who she really is. And now the director is finally letting out who he really is, who how the way he really sees this film, you know? I suppose. But also... But that's just my opinion. My, my Yeah, think. but also at yeah. the same time, a lot of the stuff in the ending is sort of left in this state of, is it a dream or is it reality? Which could also explain why it is so much more stylized. Yeah. But at the same time just like it's it's not just a case of just like the stylization it's just it just feels flat okay and again like that's it's not just a oh we're we're rushing through where we're not putting as much care in although that is a lot of how i felt about it it just feels less interesting it okay like as much as the the front half is set up and explaining it does feel like you're sitting there waiting for the good stuff and maybe watching it a second time knowing that's the feeling of the film it would be different maybe because that is a thing too where like i'm expecting an extreme torture porn movie and i'm watching him you know pet his dog for two minutes yeah it, yeah it, it, it's, it's funny though because what oh no it's just but I, I do want to stress, I did not hate this movie. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm critical of it, and it comes in no small part due to the fact that I feel like, as a film fan, it has been overhyped to me. But it's still a good movie. And there's some great stuff in the first half that I want to touch on as well. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll get to that. I want to hear the point you were going to make first. But I, I just wanted to say, like, I'm critical of this movie. People have overhyped it for me. It's not bad. <laughs> if you're into no, this kind I'm... of stuff, it's good. But it also doesn't help that, you know, it's one of those things where it came out so long ago and now I've seen movies that have been influenced by it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, one most notably being Hostel, uh, Eli Roth. Mm -hmm. uh, even like the, the stuff like that the the torturers wear i'm pretty sure was influenced from masami's her you know uniform that she wears oh he he has stated that yeah oh well there yeah there you go i mean it, it also helps that takashi Miike makes a cameo as himself in hostel the first well one. there you go <laughs> there you go right but um no no the, here's the thing though i i purposely i i gave you this movie because i know that well i i know that you're you know i you are very adventurous with your films, but I know that there's a threshold. Like I would never give you something overly extreme because it, I, at the, in the at the end of the day, I do want you to enjoy what I, what I've shown you, which is why I, I chose audition because I know it's it's not. Everyone pegs it as an extreme film, and it, it, there's a lot of gruesome torture, but it's it's not that's not what the movie is, which is why I wanted to show you it, which is why. Like, I'm sure you've heard of it. Like, it's, it's incredibly famous, but like, I want, you know, like, I wanted to, I gave you it because I knew that this would, 
yeah, there's parts that are hard to stomach, but it's still like an enjoyable film. It's not one of those, well, I can never see that again. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I just, it's just the tonal inconsistency from beginning to end, you know? <laughs> okay. It's just that, like, if you look at something like Saw, for example, another movie that is known for, you know, some extreme stuff, but is mostly just people talking. Like most of that movie. Yeah, most of that movie isn't, you know, you know, fucked up shit in the same way that this movie isn't mostly fucked up shit. But Saw has an internal consistency to it that this one lacks. Okay. And that's what my gut reaction against the movie is. Because it does have some great stuff in the beginning as well. Which I, I'm going to get into now, if you don't mind. Dude, it's all you, man. Yeah. Great stuff. And I'm not going to get too spoilery. Like, I'm not going to mention anything at the end. No, no. Yeah. Partially because, like, the reason you watch this movie is for the, like, shock value of all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, I know my mom listens to our podcast, and I don't want to be describing this stuff, and she has to listen to it. No, no. There, there are some things that... Yeah, they're they're very gross. So let's we can we can discuss it you and me, just you and me. Oh yeah, yeah. like on text, yeah. Like I'm just gonna say straight up, if you're into watching movies that have fucked up shit in it, the ending of this movie delivers in spades. Anyways, uh, before I get into stuff I liked from the beginning of the movie, just one thing: the beginning, because you know the the main character. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Ayami. No, no, it's Ayam, Ayam, Ayama. Sorry. It, no, no. Ayama, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's Ayama. It's Ayama. They set up that, you know, he has a wife who died, and now, you know, seven years later, he's raising his son, and people are like, ah, oh, you should remarry because this is how Japan works. You, you can't not have a wife as a man, which is, you know, whatever, but, yeah, you know, gender politics aside. There's a the the scene that opens the movie is the scene where she dies, mm-hmm. and it's like it gives me nothing, personally. You know, like the the little son's coming with a project he worked on, and he walks in, and she's passed. But it's it doesn't affect any of the characters in the rest of the film. And mm-hmm. literally two scenes later is the scene in the bar, which is a good scene, a well shot scene. A, fantastically acted scene where they bring up that she's been dead for seven years so why not just start not there but in the scene before where it's the man and his son fishing fishing and then eating dinner eating the fish because that sets up their dynamic as people oh yeah then you get a scene after explaining that he's got a dead wife and that sets up the rest of the movie you know just that hospital scene at the beginning you could cut out and the movie's just as good if not better probably just as good i don't think it vastly improves the film i think it it's a little something anyways onto the actual scenes that i liked (laughs) (laughs) i love the dynamic between the father and son they were they had great chemistry they were really good together yeah they they were very good so was he and uh the friend yeah yeah the producer friend i think yeah yeah and I like that, like, even though, like, that producer's kind of scummy, he, like, you can tell that he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Like, he doesn't view it just like, yeah, let's get some girls. Like, if, if this was an American movie, these guys would be, like, they're, they're likable enough, but 
but I feel like if this was an American-made film, these guys would be disgusting. Like the Weinsteins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, like I think that scene of the two of them was so well acted, so well put together. Yeah. And I also really liked the the montage of the audition. Me too. And the music that was playing. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And specifically, there's a shot at the beginning of it, which is fantastic, where it's a it's a profile shot and the other producer guy sort of leans in front of him. Oh, yeah. And and says that at the beginning. And I just the way that is sort of just like it sets up the dynamic of the montage so well. It does. And it's just it's like little little things like that, just little more bits like that could have just spiced it up a little more all throughout. But, you know, that's great. I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the conversation, the uh, dinner date scene that they go on where it like has those like weird little background glitches and then it cuts to the wide and the restaurant's all of a sudden empty. Like, yeah, that, that's really good. That really amps up the discomfort. But you can also read it as them getting lost in conversation together, that they've stayed there, as, whereas everyone else has gone. It's got this great double layer to it. That's a great scene. Uh, the, I, I just I'm gonna interrupt fast, fast because uh, the one that you're the one that you're referencing the the, mm-hmm. the dinner where it's it's all empty. I think it then cuts back to unless you mentioned this already, then I apologize. But it, it you have like the wide shot of like the the empty restaurant, and then it mm-hmm. cuts back to Asami, and they're in another restaurant, and then it yeah. cuts to a wide, and you can you can see like it's another place. I love. I love those transitions. Like time almost doesn't exist between mm-hmm. these two because it's just flowing naturally. Yeah. Like like that stuff's really good. And it's just like if it if they just tightened up some of the beginning a bit more, it would have landed so much better. Cause it shows that, you know, Takeshi Mike is a great filmmaker. Yeah. You know, and the fact that he has made such a good movie and so many good movies, because he's got such a huge repertoire of massive beloved films Mm. you know and i just you know just give me a little more (laughs) just like i i like if i were to rate it on 10 i'd give it a seven but i want to give it an eight or nine yeah yeah i get you man you know like i feel like it's on a abundantly good movie that could have been extraordinary and was sold to me not by you but by you know film culture as an extraordinary film yeah no for sure that's just it yeah yeah and it, that that like for you it, it it might be unavoidable just because like you and i we we delve into we we're so i don't know like i feel like we're very much ingrained in the film culture because you and i are massive fans of it and obviously when you when a film is highly revered you keep hearing it despite it being a sci-fi in the sci-fi community horror community comedy whatever when you keep hearing a title like you know it's like okay well i gotta like you almost it's almost as if you've seen the movie already because of how much it's been discussed but it but then so I can definitely understand, like, because you and I are so much into film, we're always looking into films. 
it's unavoidable for you to have missed the hype, you know, just because mm-hmm. even if you're not looking for it, it's going to be there, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's it's an over 20-year-old movie at this mm-hmm. point. It's like 30-some-odd mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. And there's no way I could have gone into it blind. Unfortunately. But I wish I could have. Like, I went to it as blind as you can for a film with this notoriety. Yeah, you know, it... But it... It, it would be, it would literally be like trying to go into Pulp Fiction blind. Mm-hmm. Something as like unanimously popular and widespread across all like culture, whether it be film, internet, whatever, you see clips of it, you see quotes, whatever. It's impossible. You, you, you know the ending, you know the twist before going in, you know, oh, yeah. and it, it, that I do feel that could definitely affect your viewing experience and it's it's obviously not the filmmaker's fault it's just it's the impact you know Mm -hmm. yeah no and there's nothing against that and like you said like there are movies like we can't not know bits about it like i was 16 17 when i watched taxi driver for the first time probably Mm -hmm. yeah but i knew you talking to me you know yeah Everyone knows certain Star Wars quotes, whether they've seen it or not, from yeah. the original uh, trilogy. There are just certain cultural landmarks that you can't get aside. And when you get into being a film buff, that becomes even more so with like specific films. Absolutely, yeah. And and especially like not just a film fan, but let's say like you're you're very much like a you you are a super sci-fi fan, right? So there's films that, well, that, that it's like you felt like you've watched it, but but you haven't yet because like I, I'm sure like like g- give me an example of a film like you felt you've watched but you literally have not because it's so widely re- like popularized and we're not mm-hmm. not mentioning Star Wars I meant like something else. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good question. I wish I had th- been able to think of this ahead of time. My yeah, this is literally on the spot, so you don't even have to answer it in this episode. Um, I don't think I've seen the ring. Oh, okay. The yeah, wait, which the the American one? I'm not sure if I've seen the American one. I know I haven't seen the Japanese. Oh, uh, okay, I haven't either. I, but I do own the American one, and I I love it. I love it. Yeah, but I last thing like, but it's one of those things where it's like I know the girl climbing out of the TV type stuff. Like there. And again, we're coming onto this conversation of iconography. I was just going to bring that up, yeah. And, you know, I hadn't seen, I don't know if I've seen The Ring, but I've seen The the Girl Crawling. Yeah. I Until I, I hadn't seen Audition, but I knew that image of Asami on the poster with the needle. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's iconic. It's, it's mm-hmm. I would almost argue it's as iconic if you, you know, the ghost face killer from Scream or, or Michael or Jason, you know? If you know foreign films, that's a prefix, like... Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. For people who only watch films from North America, that's not as prevalent, but... Yeah. But that's also the importance of being able to step outside, you know? We've covered yeah. a few foreign films here. We're going to cover more for sure. Because, yes. like, they just tell stories that we don't tell here due to cultural things. Yeah. 
as well as just due to a different mindset. And it's it's always cool to have someone else's culture told to you through film and how they integrate it into a genre, like mm-hmm. like audition, for example, like using, yeah. you know, using the um, the way women are portrayed in Japanese culture and, and using that in a, in a horror film. I, I don't know. I find it brilliant, you know, and, and yeah. I would even go on to say that the whole the fact that they are two producers could be kind of relevant in the whole me too movement but that's maybe a bit of a stretch just considering i don't like, think so i don't think at all no okay then maybe the i don't know that was like a that was a random thought but i, I would say that the reason why i love horror films and foreign horror films is because a lot of directors always find a unique take it's not how can we make horror different it's what story can we integrate into horror culture and make it give it a new voice mm-hmm. you know it's not how can we give horror a new voice how can we give this story this theme a new voice you know like hereditary using mental illness or um you know or like turning a family family drama into a horror film using audition you know like these mm-hmm. are you know despite audition being an older film i think it's very important like that you know these everyday things that you know japanese culture have to go through is kind of being given a a new lens or a new filter you know yeah for sure yeah so yeah no continue i didn't want to i i completely no no but but on the on the point you were making of just the uniqueness of of culture you know it, it was making me think because i noticed that uh the producer friend in this movie was in the 2016 film the wailing that yeah a movie okay. that i i also enjoyed and just you talking about this and it's like well that entire movie is built off of uh the cultural differences in some ways between uh japan and korea there's a lot of that stuff at play in that movie to the point where there is a there's a twist that only that is uh i'm not gonna spoil it but there's a twist in it that isn't well well there's a twist and it's i'm losing my train of thought it's foreshadowed only if you know the extreme subtle differences between the two cultures Ooh, okay that's really interesting yeah but that's the thing and it's like it's something that like is really interesting when you learn about it after it's like oh wow that's something that you know american cinema can't do that's true because if you were going to make that in in a movie like the wailing in the states it would be like between like the it would be different cultures between two states or between america and mexico or america and canada and it's like but it doesn't land the same way that it does there and that's something that's unique to their cinema and that's why watching films that aren't just from where you're from is important. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, I love watching horror films. Because, uh, not horror films. I love, yes, but I love watching foreign films because I love seeing the different techniques that are always used. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like in a lot of Asian cinema, like be it Japanese or Korean. Um, I love I love watching, I love seeing how they build tension. Like I love seeing how they, you know, film dialogue. And I also love, you know, kind of 
I love watching French cinema, French horror films, how they build tension, like the techniques they use. And it's wildly different. It's drastically different between all three, Korean, Japanese, French, you know, considering Japanese, uh, Japan and, A and Korea are both under, you know, the Asian umbrella. They're, they're wildly different, wildly Absolutely. different. Yeah. And, and I, I love it. I love like just watching because I get influence from this, you know? I, I even though I, I'm not a filmmaker, I, I utilize a lot of film techniques in, like in the graphic novel that I'm I'm working on right now. I've tried using like film shots that I've seen in my favorite films, you know. So it it's funny how like one media influences the other. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you know, like you're saying, like for people who are artists who are you know, aspiring filmmakers, that's the importance of getting out of what is just your cultural norm as a uh, viewer. So that way, when you go and you make your art as a creator, you're not just replicating what everyone around you is doing. You're yeah. taking stuff like that and taking from so many different places and that's one of the problems I have with like film school is they're always teaching like, ah, it's Citizen Kane and Godard. And then you, you have like just a bunch of people who are turning into little Quentin Tarantino's where they're all stealing from the same sources that he was stealing from. <laughs> well, that's just it, you know, that it becomes like a, just a, a never ending cycle of, of same, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I've got on audition. Do you have uh, anything else? No. Uh, well, um, I mean, there, there's a, a couple of shots. Like, I one of my favorite shots, uh, which you uh, uh, you referenced, was um, when we're when we're in uh, Asami's uh, domain. Uh, I think it's her apartment, or I forget what it is. And uh, and we see the bagged body, and then the phone rings. And there's just like a blip of silence and then the bag like moves yes <laughs> that's, that, that's uh, great that's great that's i'm that's perfection i'm sorry but it's it's chef's kiss man that is such because that like i would go on to say like that scene has spectacular sound design like yeah the use of silence even, and then the blaring phone ring and then the brief silence again and the loud like it's really loud when that body like like rustles or whatever in that bag or like rolls over the ground like it's it's loud and it's for some reason i rewatched it last night and it's it's louder than the phone i remember it being also uh at one point because uh my partner sam she saw the movie like eight nine years ago and I started watching it the other night and uh, she was doing something and I paused at one point and I walked in and I'm like, I'm mad at this movie. She asked why I'm like, cause they're going to kill that dog. And she was like, how do you, are you sure? I was like, yeah, it's been 20 minutes and they've cut to the dog four times. That dog's going to die. <laughs> and then she came in and joined me later and boom, the dog dies. And I just looked at him like, see, and she's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. But also we have to. <laughs> more often than not it's funny because i was actually talking about this with my fiance and her sister last night after watching it more often than not you see a dog in a horror film 
not gonna make it. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it, it sucks, but yeah, just like yeah. the the most terrible horror movie ever made, Marley and Me. Fuck you, Marley. <laughs> <laughs> the whole premise is built around a dog dying, and for fuck's sake. Anyway, dogs are the best. Dogs are the best. Dogs are the best. Dogs are. I say as someone who has two cats. So, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But dogs I stand are the best. By. The ranking is my cats. Then right below that is every dog. Every dog. And then under that is other people's cats. Makes sense. And goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, that was... Uh, all I really wanted to talk. I feel like we talked a lot about audition. Um, you said you you covered all your points. Mm-hmm. Now, for fans of audition, what would you recommend, my good friend? I forgot that I was supposed to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Uh, before we set up what next week's episode is, yeah, is there anything else you've been watching, reading, or listening to that you want to talk about? What have you had going um, on this week? This week, media-wise, uh, media-wise, geez, um, what have I been watching? You know what? I haven't. I, I, I actually, yeah, I. What am I saying? I rewatched Dread yesterday. Fantastic movie. Ah, oh, so fun. Oh, I love that movie. I actually started, though, this other film on movie called Emma with one M. And it's, oh, geez, I believe it's a, I think it's a Mexican film. I can't remember that or Argentinian, but I did not finish it because it was too late. But I hate that you do that. I know. I know. <laughs> like, I understand, but <laughs> yeah. So far, it's really good. Um, super uh, colorful. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've been watching just a lot of videos lately just because usually by the end of the day, I'm just very tired, you know? So I, and I don't, I, I hate committing time to a film when I'm like in and out, like mentally. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just, it's not fair to the film, you know? So, yeah. so that's why I just kind of waste time watching stupid videos. But I started watching the film, The Founder, about the, the McDonald's movie. Mm-hmm. Um, look, maybe people liked it. I couldn't finish it because I was so bored. <laughs> I, just, I didn't care, man. I don't know. What about you? What about you? Um, I haven't watched much yet. I watched one movie, but I'm not going to say it, talk about it now, because it's what I'm bringing in for next week's episode, because I know you haven't seen it. Oh, uh, Okay. But there were a few things I was going to watch, but haven't. Okay. Uh, I was going to watch uh, the first three episodes of uh, Invincible are out on Amazon Prime. Oh, I wanted to see that. Yeah, I was going to watch them this morning before recording, but then I went for a walk instead. (laughs) I mean... And it was worth it. And I'll watch them this weekend and I'll talk about them uh, next week. Yeah, yeah, great cast. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really, really want to see that. 
really want to yeah. see that. Let me know if you uh, watch the episodes that are out before next week, because if so, we'll like make it part of the episode. But if not, yeah, yeah, okay, that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, I was also going to watch, and I was going to do it while doing other stuff because it's so long. I was going to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League out of oh. curiosity, but mm-hmm. none of the streamings are like it's on HBO Max, which. I don't think we get in Canada. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. But oh, also, okay. uh, Crave TV, if you pay more, you also get HBO content. But they didn't have a free uh, subscription, and I wasn't going to pay $30 to watch this movie. F that in the A. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I've got respect for the fact that he was able to make the movie he wants, and I hear it's a lot better. So uh, yeah. than the original, but if you don't like Zack Snyder's superhero movies, you're still not going to like it. No. So I was, I was just curious. I'm like, oh, I'll check it out, and then yeah. it wasn't easier convenient for me, so I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that point, just kind of you know move on to something else, I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to set us up for next week. You are going yes. to be watching a film. <sighs> which one? Which one? You're going to be watching. One of my personal favorites, Upstream Color. I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Where where did you... Do you know if it's on a, like a, a streaming platform I could, I, could, I could see it on? I don't know. I had to buy a used copy of it off of eBay oh. just to have a physical copy because they're did you so get hard it? to find. Yeah, yeah. I got it a couple okay, weeks okay. ago, so I watched it. Wow. Okay. I... I uh, you know what? I was like thinking the other day. I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm surprised like he hasn't mentioned Upstream Color yet because like that guy loves that movie. Yeah, I watched boom, it. I are. rewatched it last night, and it's just like oh, I love it. It makes no sense. I love it. it. But who cares? Like, yeah, like it does make sense. It's vague, and we're gonna get into it next week. I don't even want to talk about the plot of it next week. I just want to talk about how it made you feel. Yeah, because I, I feel like that's the point is just like the yeah. gut reaction to the movie because you can sit yeah. there and you can figure out what things mean and you know because it's very vague but like, I just like to me it just makes me feel and I just want to see how it makes you feel absolutely it and like and, and it's weird that you mentioned that because like for me even though Lake Mungo is is I, a little more straightforward than upstream color it for me it was very much a like this movie is making me feel stuff mm-hmm. you know and i wanted to know obviously I, it, it ties in with my experiences which is why it i guess made me feel a certain way but i did want to know if it made you feel a certain way mm-hmm. what it made you feel and now it's i think it's going to be so cool to have a movie that does that for you that you're giving to me mm-hmm. you know and i i this has been on my watch list now for a while but at least now i have like the prompt to to, which is the point of the podcast yes as our listenership dwindles we just keep watching things i don't care (laughs) we get to watch cool stuff hell yeah (laughs) yeah okay Uh, quickly before we go because i'm thinking about it now uh three movies that make you feel way more than you expected to feel when watching it like that like just made you react emotionally more than you expected okay for sure like mongo because um, i just stayed i just said that that was that one's for sure oh god what else 
Um, um, okay. Jeez, jeez. Um, I know this is probably bound to change if like when the more I think about it, but just because I don't want us to wait here like five million hours, <laughs> I will say like upon immediate, uh, after immediately watching Hereditary, mm -hmm. um, and lastly, yeah, that gives a gut reaction of just like, because aside from just the horror of it, it just makes you feel so much because it's such a real family drama. Yeah, yeah, and and like especially like the the latter like like to 15 20 minutes whatever when like shit really starts like ramping up i literally left the i left the theater trembling just because i, I not only was i scared but i felt like i couldn't really compute everything that was happening mm -hmm. like i was still processing a lot of it uh and then another film jeez this one is not it's not right after i've seen it but the more i think about it the the like the deeper it's just kind of scraping my insides mm -hmm. and that's a film that um may may showed me and it's called in a glass cage yeah uh that film for, okay right from the get-go it's not for the faint of heart it's very bleak and i i felt that but it was like kind of like days weeks after where i was like jesus christ like that that hurt me you know and mm -hmm. i don't know if i could watch that again legit yeah but yeah <laughs> so yeah uh you know you you oh shit uh upstream oh upstream color yeah and this lets me to bring it up again the place beyond the pines <laughs> Yes! Oh no, we have to talk about the spectacular movie again. I remember you, okay, I know I mentioned this before, but I know that you had such a visceral reaction, like not visceral, but you, you, I could tell like when we left the theater, like I think you were quiet for a bit just because of how, how much it impacted you. Mm -hmm. you know? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just got really confused because uh, if you're a new listener, uh, on our first episode of this podcast, I made a joke that I would recommend Place Beyond the Pines every week, and I wrote it down on a little post-it note and stuck it on my computer screen, and I'm looking at my screen now, and somehow there's two. I never, I didn't make a second one, but I have one here, and I have one here, and it's confusing the crap out of me because they're both in my handwriting. Are you sure you only made one? I don't know. I think you made two. I think you made one like knowingly and then the second one was just so like, it was just subconscious because you love that film so much. I do love this movie, but it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it's the universe. <laughs> and for my third pick, I guess drive. Ooh. Oh man. Yes. I'm happy with all three of those films. But well, that's one of those things that like it made me feel a lot because I've it's one of the first movies I watched as I was transitioning from just someone who watched movies and liked them to like a film buff. And it was one of the first movies I was like, oh, the artistry of film. Like yes, it's more man. than just what it is. Yeah. 
it's true. I think that I think that was it was the same for me too because I had watched it a little bit later than you and and the rest of the gang. And yeah, it was the same for me as I was kind of transitioning into what I was kind of looking for in films. And I, I just felt like Drive had everything that I was like, oh man, this it felt like this movie was made for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, Ooh, ah, uh, Annihilation too. That's a movie that that by the end of it, I'm just sitting there going like, oh yeah. Annihilation, oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, and Arrival. Arrival's got like... As the credits rolled at the end of that movie, like I was just sitting there, like in awe. I was like, "They did it! They did it!" You also did that when you—you you also did that when you saw it with me. Imagine twice you—you you did that same reaction. <laughs> what a good movie! Oh, Arrival's fucking amazing. And anyway, at one point, I'm going to say it right now. We keep mentioning like, "Oh, we're going to do an episode on this. We're going to do an episode on this." I'm saying right now. We are doing an episode on Denis Villeneuve. We need to. Yeah. On his on his filmography. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love. Uh, I mean, I I don't know when Dune's coming out, so I guess that'll have to be left out until further notice. Yeah. Well, we could also do it before Dune comes out, like when we f- like we can look up when it's coming out and like do it like the week before as like a get hyped for Dune thing down yeah yeah anyways that was another episode of pop culture to do yeah yeah, if you liked it tell your friends if you didn't like it tell your friends please just tell your friends we want to get more listeners that'd be great yeah you can find us wherever you get podcasts you can contact us on twitter at pop culture to do you can find anthony's art on instagram anthony with teeth i'm on both of those platforms and on YouTube as the Greg Norton. We have an email. I can't remember what the email is, but I set up an email for this. Nice. I probably should have actually written down what that is. So that way we could like plug it. I don't know why people would want us to have an email, but we have one. Well, unless they want to contact us for their recommendations for us to, that would actually be a really cool idea in the future. Yeah. Once people start listening to this. Yeah, well, I mean, we have a couple of listeners, so. Yeah, Yeah, but like when we get like, when we get people who will actually respond to us, when we ask them to respond to us, because we have not gotten any yet, but you guys should. We will talk back. We are, we are tiny enough that if you tweet at us or message us somewhere, we will answer. Absolutely. We always want to know what people are watching, what movies made you feel a certain way, you know, communicate with us. We want to grow this community so we can talk about some of the stuff that inspires us which is film you know yeah we gotta do a comic book episode one day because i know you're big into graphic novels yeah Yeah. the problem is is because of the pandemic like i feel like it would be a lot easier if you wanted to recommend me hey read this graphic novel and then you could hand it to me yeah or like vice versa (sighs) because like i'm not I'm not going to a bookstore anytime soon. Like I'm. Yeah. And, and like what happens, like, I feel like, like what happens if you don't like it, you know, then you're stuck with a book like that you don't like. Exactly. Whereas like, if you lend it to me and I love it, I will buy it and have mm. my own copy, you know? Yeah. If you don't like it, just give it back to me, period. You know, like yeah, books are harder because you can't do a trailer for a book, you know? Yeah. 
but yeah all right Anyways. so wrapping that up yeah uh, all right have a good one keep it squeezy everyone <laughs>